0: What is up guys welcome on into fantasy football intervention get excited for a DFS episode guys I'm gonna break down these statistics for you. We're gonna have some fun with it This one is interesting and I might make a jackass of myself in this episode here As I talk about certain breakdowns because I believe that certain things could end up happening a certain way however, these are statistical analytics I am a Redskins fan, but I never, ever take the fact that I'm a fan of the Redskins into account when it comes to statistical breakdowns, okay? I don't believe that the Redskins are a good team this year. I don't believe that the Redskins have much talent. I don't think the Redskins are going to win. However, there are certain breakdowns that might make you think that I'm biased. So just keep that in mind. I don't give a shit. These are statistics. These are statistics, and I'm doing it for you guys, for DFS, and I'm gonna be playing my DFS lineups the same exact way that I'm telling you to play yours. So with that being said, guys, I'm gonna go ahead and dive into this. I am a little bit late today because there was so much information that I had to pack into this episode. So here we go. We're gonna start out with the Redskins side. Redskins side. And this is going to be at Minnesota, I believe. 38 degrees is supposed to be the temperature. So it's gonna be a cold one. And if this isn't the ultimate revenge game, I don't know what is, I mean you have Adrian Peterson, we've got Case Keenum, we've got Kirk Cousins, I mean if only Josh Doxson was playing, and then it was kind of funny because Devin was mentioning to me how he could see Xavier Rhodes getting traded for Trent Williams. God, if that would have happened, that would have been insane, right? But anyways, we're going to break down some of these statistical analytics for you guys and tell you which players to play tonight. We're going to start out with the Redskins side and Case Keenum. Case Keenum has not been good so far this year, and it's kind of insane. It's kind of insane, and I'm going to tell you why in a few minutes, but the Redskins are number 28 in in pass plays run per game, so that's not good. Case Keenum is 20th in the NFL in red zone attempts. He's only getting 4.4 red zone attempts per game. He's number 30 in deep ball attempts per game. He's number 30 on money throws. However, he has missed a game. Obviously, he got pulled out of one, and then they allowed Colt McCoy to play in the other one, so he's missed a good amount of time. However, he's still number 16th in the league in passing touchdowns. He has nine, and he's throwing them at a 5.2% rate, which is not great, but still, that's okay. That's solid. The weird part about it all is that he's like middle of the road when it comes to completion percentages. Like, play-action fake doesn't really help him. Clean pockets? Yeah, he's number 25th in the league when it comes to completion percentage with a clean pocket. Deep ball, middle of the road. And it doesn't help that his receivers have dropped eight balls. However, this is why we talk about the weirdest thing with Case Keenum and being so bad so far. He gets a decent protection rate. They're number 15 overall in protection rate. But his receivers are number four in yards of separation. So in other words, his receivers are getting open, and he's just not hitting them. His catchable targets are terrible. His overall accuracy is 29th in the NFL. Check this out, though. Check this out. If we look at every game where he's had 25 or more attempts, he has a minimum of two touchdowns. And he's the number 15th overall ranked quarterback in fantasy football in each of those weeks or better. He even has one week where he's number six overall ranked quarterback. So Case Keenum, for me, has a lot of upside potential in this matchup. The Vikings aren't particularly good up against the passing game. They focus more on stopping the run. However, the biggest thing about this matchup is the fact that Chris Thompson, one of Case Keenum's favorite targets, is going to be out this week. He was ruled out. I believe he has an injury to his toe. So, Case Keenum is left with these other receivers. So, let's go ahead and go through these guys. And the first one that I want to talk about is obviously F1, Terry McLaurin. This guy has been an absolute monster so far this year. I don't think everybody realizes how good he's actually been. His catchable target rate has been absolutely atrocious. Terrible. Only 75% of the balls that are thrown his way are catchable. That's number 57th overall ranked among wide receivers. The quality is absolutely brutal as well, being number 27th overall ranked. Even with all that being said, even with all that being said, he's number 28th in the NFL in target separation. So he's creating separation when it comes to running his routes. He is 66.7% on contested catch rate. That's insane. That's number fourth in the NFL. So he's catching balls when he should not be catching balls. Number fourth ranked in the NFL. His 419 receiving yards so far this year and his red zone receptions are even better. Four red zone receptions, which is is number 14th overall ranked in the NFL among wide receivers. I mean, that's nuts. So in other words, he has a quarterback that is not throwing accurate balls. He's still creating separation. He's making contested catches. He's making catches in the red zone. And he's producing with those catches. My favorite part about all this stuff, though, he's gotten 10 deep targets so far this year. That's number 19th overall in the NFL. You better believe they're going to be taking more shots with Terry McLaurin this week downfield. Don't forget, he's only played in six games. And also, in the games that he has played in, he's faced the number one cornerback for that team. And he's still producing. I mean, up against Stephon Gilmore. He still had over 50 yards. He's only one of three wide receivers in the past, what, now 30 games or so to have over 50 yards receiving against Stephon Gilmore. That's awesome. That's insane. My favorite part about him this week is the fact that he's either going to be facing Xavier Rhodes, who is not, who is not fast enough to keep up with Terry McLaurin. He could end up facing Mackenzie Alexander, possibly if he goes to the slot, which sometimes he does run routes out of the slot. It's not often, but he still tends to go there from time to time because they like to move Terry McLaurin around the field. Mackenzie Alexander hasn't been great against the slot. I mean, he is better, but he hasn't been great. And then Trey Waynes has not been good so far this year. I really, really like Terry McLaurin this week. Like I said, you got to play him. You got to play him in bonus slots, and you have to play him in a lot lot of your different rosters. Terry McLaurin is a go this week. Now, when it comes to Paul Richardson, it's a possibility they end up double-teaming Terry McLaurin, putting a safety over top, which would leave Paul Richardson in single coverage. And Paul Richardson has been solid so far this year. He's been almost as good as Terry McLaurin has. However, he's not seen the targets, and when he does see the targets, they're just not quality targets. I mean, Paul Richardson is dealing with the same exact quarterback issue, obviously, that Terry McLaurin is. So, Paul Richardson is definitely a flyer on the other side. Like, if you, don't, if you decide not to start Terry McLaurin in one of your lineups, I would definitely start Paul Richardson on the other side. Now, when it comes to our other wide receivers with Trey Quinn, I think that Trey Quinn is going to struggle in the slot up against Mackenzie Alexander. Mackenzie Alexander definitely has the upper hand in this matchup. Trey Quinn just does not have the athletic profile and Mackenzie Alexander, although he hasn't been great, has still been pretty solid so far this year. They really haven't given up many points to the slot wide receivers. With Steven Sims, if he's healthy, he could end up being a fly because they use him as a gadget player. But I'm probably not going to be playing Steven Sims in very many places at all. Uh, I think he's also questionable as well. We pop down to the tight end position. Minnesota is 20th overall up against the tight end. And Sprinkle hasn't been bad so far this year. I mean, he only runs routes on 74% of the pass plays for the Redskins when he's in the game. So he does block from time to time, but he still, when he does go out for a pass, ends up being the number five overall ranked tight end in target separation. And he only has two drops. You know that Case Keenum trusts him, and Case Keenum does tend to use tight ends from time to time. So if you want to take a flyer on Jeremy Sprinkle, I wouldn't be totally against it. However, don't forget that there's a good chance that he sees a lot of Harrison Smith in this matchup. So be a little bit cautious. I wouldn't recommend playing Jeremy Sprinkle in very many lineups. However, you could see him with 30 yards and a touchdown, 40 yards and a touchdown, something along those lines. Now we're getting to the guy that I really wanted to talk about, and that's Adrian Peterson and the revenge game. And this is going to be game script dependent. In other words, the Redskins have to remain close in order for AP to be on the field. He's only had five receptions so far, and obviously with him having an ankle issue And normally with those ankle issues that he has, it holds running backs out for two or three weeks. But he's playing this week. He said he's playing. He should be a full go. If he does play, like I said, it has to be game script dependent. They have to remain close for him to be a relevant fantasy option. In week one, he did not play. In week two through five, he had 40 carries for 114 yards and 11 evaded tackles. That's it. Then Bill Callahan took over. Since then, the past two games, He's had 43 carries, 217 yards, and 12 evaded tackles. So he did more in two games than he did in the previous four games. Now, what I really like to see is those evaded tackles. But normally evaded tackles, when you see those, it ends up leading to big plays, and he hasn't gotten that. He only has two runs of 15 yards or more so far this season, and the biggest thing is he only has one touchdown. So this could end up being that, regression, that positive regression that we want to see out of Adrian Peterson this week. The run blocking efficiency for the Redskins so far hasn't necessarily been good. I mean, they ranked 36th overall in the NFL for run blocking, but still this could end up being that get right game that we're looking for, for that offensive line. We have to see what happens with Wes Martin, obviously being injured, the rookie guard. That's a little bit scary as well. But I think that Adrian Peterson Definitely has a scenario where he eats, and he eats big time. I'm definitely gonna be playing him in one of my bonus spots this week. The Redskins do average 2.2 runs inside the five. They convert on 40% of them. And the Minnesota Vikings have allowed running backs to get yardage up against them from time to time. So yes, I'm playing Adrian Peterson in definitely a couple different lineups, and definitely one that has a bonus spot to it. Now, Wendell Smallwood, this is extremely interesting because the Minnesota Vikings, have allowed the Lions to get 59 yards receiving. They allowed Philly Sanders to get... 86 yards receiving and a touchdown. Tree Cohen, he only got seven yards receiving, but he did get a touchdown. And then the Packers combined ended up having 47 yards and a touchdown in the air for the running backs. Obviously with negative game script, Wendell Smallwood is gonna be playing a higher role. So yes, if the Vikings do go up, which I see that happening very, very easily, then I could see Wendell Smallwood being a viable option. So he is a flyer for me in a lot of different lineups that I have Dalvin Cook in and Alexander Madison, which I'm about to go into here in a second. So, Wendell Smallwood is definitely an option when it comes to the Flyers. We're going to pop over to the Vikings side of things. And the Vikings are extremely, extremely interesting situation. They've obviously been playing very well so far this year. Kirk Cousins has gone off. He's the first quarterback ever in NFL history to have three straight games of 300 plus yards and 135 plus passer rating. He only has one game so far this season with below a 70% completion rating. That's insane. But there's a reason. There's a reason why. And I think it's because of David Cook, obviously. But 35.7% of dropbacks, they've ran the play-action fake. And when they run the play-action fake, Kirk Cousins has eight touchdowns, one interception, averages 140.2 passer rating. That's by far the best among active quarterbacks. The Redskins have only allowed two quarterbacks so far this year to go over 300 yards, and that was Winston Brady. The Redskins are number 12th overall in the NFL up against quarterbacks, but this is where it's a little bit skewed because the Redskins are tied for the sixth worst in the NFL with Philadelphia Eagles in touchdowns allowed in the passing game. That could be huge for Kirk Cousins because that was one of the biggest differences between his first few games and these last three. It's his, it's his touchdowns and his lack of interceptions. He had three touchdowns with two interceptions in his first four games. And in the last three games, he's had 10 touchdowns with one interception. That's obviously a tremendous, tremendous difference. The bigger difference, or I should say the biggest difference, even more than his touchdown to interception ratio, is his yards per attempt. In the first four games, he only had 9.8 or less. When it came to yards per attempt, in the last three, he's at 9.9 or above. They're throwing down the field. He has the second best protection rate in the NFL and by far the best supporting cast. Keep an eye on the interceptions, though, because the Redskins are tied for third in the NFL on interceptions. So if Kirk Cousins does get off to one of his cold streaks because he's a little bit too hyped up like he gets, then the Red, it could end up leading to multiple interceptions by the Redskins. So I'm not playing Kirk Cousins in every single matchup. In fact, I don't like him nearly as much as everybody else does. And I'm going to go into it here in a second as to why. I still am playing him in definitely a few lineups. I mean, it's not like the Redskins have had the hardest schedule in the NFL. I know they've gone up against Tom Brady, obviously the Dallas Cowboys stuff, but they've also had some easier matchups. Now we're looking at Thielen and with Thielen out, they're probably gonna to go to more two tight end sets, even what they've been running so far this season. So I'm gonna see a lot of Ola Bici, I'm gonna see a lot of Stefan Diggs, I'm gonna see a lot of Irv Smith Jr. and a lot of Kyle Rudolph. Sorry to all you Le'Con Treadwell truthers. I know you guys love him out there, but unfortunately, he was only averaging seven or less snaps per game. And even when Adam Thielen went out, he had only jumped up to 10 snaps. So he only got three more snaps than what he was actually got the week before that. I'm not looking for Le'Con Treadwell to be anywhere close to a producer. Olabisi Johnson did jump up in a snap count. He went from 20 snaps to 52. We're going to go into Olabisi here in a second, but I want to start out with Stefan Diggs. And Diggs isn't as juicy of a matchup as what everybody is thinking, in my opinion. I mean, he's good, but he's not getting much separation on those targets. He's actually one of the worst in the NFL so far this year in separation per target. And Dunbar has actually looked a lot better than he's expected to look. He allows shorter catches to happen, but he doesn't allow any player to do anything with it. He's allowed a 0% burn rate, zero touchdowns, and three interceptions when he's in coverage. Only thing that scares me is that he could have padded his stats. His three interceptions came against bad teams. I mean, we talked about the Giants, and then we talk about the Dolphins, obviously not the two best teams that he had his interceptions against. But the biggest thing that I'm looking at was Stefan Diggs. The biggest thing that I'm looking at, because Like I said, Dunbar doesn't allow deeper passes. Like that's not, he's saying, fuck no, get away from me. You're not getting a deep pass. So I feel like Diggs would have to produce in the red zone. And Diggs has only had three targets so far this year in the red zone because they're relying so much on Dalvin Cook. So much on Dalvin Cook. So with that being said, if I am doing a stack, I don't mind the Kirk Cousins, Stefan Diggs stack. I think you have to play it. And I would be an idiot if I said, don't play it. You have to play it but I'm not gonna be playing that stack in every single lineup that I'm playing tonight. You know, it's not like I'm sitting there relying on him like I would a Matt Ryan and Julio Jones stack. I don't think it's gonna be anywhere close to that. So like I said, you have to play it in some places, but don't play it in a lot. It's gonna be very similar to my Terry McLaurin and Case Keenum stacks. Probably gonna be about equal on each one of those. Now, when we look at Olabezi versus Fabian Moreau, Fabian Moreau actually has an athletic advantage over every single statistical category. He's bigger, he's faster, he's more agile. Olibisi is like a middle of the road player. There's a reason why he was drafted so late. And Fabian Moreau, whether they play Jimmy Moreland or Fabian Moreau is first off, it's not good news. I mean, it'd be better if Jimmy Moreland played up against Ole Olabisi might have a little bit of an advantage over Jimmy Moreland when it comes to the breakdown of their physical attributes. But the most amount of yards that Fabian Moreau has actually allowed is 48 yards. He's been working in the slot for a lot of his time, but he's kind of been split in that position with Jimmy Moreland, so he has played on the outside as well, some. And don't forget Josh Norman is out this game. I just don't see a lot coming from OLBC. He's not creating separation, and he doesn't have one category inside of the top 24 outside of the catch rate when balls come his way, which has to do more with Kirk Cousins, and the fact of getting matched up with worse defensive backs. Because Brandon Cooks and Adam Thielen are hogging all the good defensive backs and all the coverage. Ola B.C. Johnson is a phenomenal, phenomenal third receiver. However, I don't think he's ready to step up and take over that wide receiver two position in Minnesota. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, the Redskins have been terrible so far this season. But they really haven't. I mean, they're still solid up against the wide receiver. And the craziest part about it is the fact that the Redskins would probably be higher up ranked against wide receivers if they didn't blow coverage because of lack of communication. And that only happened over the first couple weeks of the season or three weeks of the season. They've been way better since then. I'm looking for Redskins defense to really step it up this week. And it'll be interesting to see what they do up against these Minnesota Vikings receivers. Now looking at the tight end position for Minnesota, the Redskins are the 16th overall ranked defense up against the tight end. They've held Kittle, I know it was a nasty game, but they still held Kittle to 38 yards. Gasecki only got 51 yards. Evan Ingram only had 54 yards. Rhett Ellison did register 24 on top of that. So if you want to say that they got 78 yards as a tight end, sure, go ahead. Witten ended up having 25 yards. He did get a touchdown with that. And Ertz has had 54 yards. So literally the most amount of yards they've allowed to the tight end position is 54. And they've only allowed one touchdown to the tight end. So I don't expect the defense, the Redskins defense to really crack on this. However, you can take flyer shots on Irv Smith and on Kyle Rudolph. But I went down and I wanted to see the snaps here. I wanted to see, you know, which player actually played a little bit more. And I, I dove into it. And Irv Smith is actually running 89% of his routes compared to Kyle Rudolph only running 74% of his routes. That's pretty insane. The fact that they're treating Irv Smith as almost like a big bodied slot receiver instead of a tight end. I mean, he's only blocking 11% of the time on pass plays. I don't really like either one this week, however, just because of the stuff that I already named, the fact they have only allowed 54 yards to tight ends, but the bigger thing is they've only had three combined red zone targets. Obviously, Kirk Cousins just doesn't throw in the red zone. They want to run it. They don't trust Kirk Cousins. So if they're going to be productive, they have to see more red zone targets. And Kyle Rudolph actually had one of his best games of the season this past week, but he has not been good outside of that one game. They've only had, between the two of them, one double-digit fantasy game, and that was obviously last week. So you might as well say, well, who is Kirk Cousins going to throw to? That's why I don't like Kirk Cousins this week. It's not because I don't think he's a good quarterback, but without Adam Thielen on the field to either soak up coverage or beat their number one quarterback because he is that good, Kirk Cousins is going to have a tough time throwing. They might as well throw safety over top to keep Stefan Diggs cooped up, and then end up boxing out those tight ends and just do single coverage over there on Olbisi, who's not an athletic freak and is not a great wide receiver. The bigger thing that I'm looking at is the fact that the Redskins have 16 sacks this season, but so far 11 in those sacks came in the past three weeks. I mean, they got four up against Brady and Kirk Cousins is not great under pressure. He only completes 42.9% of his passes when he's under pressure. So Kirk Cousins, like I said, is kind of a hold for me. I'm not sold that he's going to have a 300-plus yard yard game. The player on the Minnesota Vikings that I do think is going to have a big game is going to be Dalvin Cook, obviously. And I really don't want to harp on it just because of the fact that most people are already talking about it. I mean, it would be crazy for you not to play Dalvin Cook in almost every single one of your lineups. You have to do it. There has to be points scored. I mean, there's a 16-point spread. Minnesota over top of the Washington Redskins. And the Minnesota Vikings are number three in the NFL in rush attempts. The Redskins have only faced one great bell cow running back, and that was Zeke, and he put up 111 yards on him and one touchdown. They're still ranked number 24th overall against the running back in PPR leagues, even though, like I said, they've only played one great running back. Dalvin Cook is the number two running back in the NFL, and he's hit every single week. His second lowest score so far this season was 19 points. His lowest score was like 13 and some odd change, but he was up against the Philadelphia Eagles, who are phenomenal against the run. I don't know what else to say. You play Dalvin Cook. I don't need to go into a statistical breakdown for that. You're being an idiot not to. However, the one I do want to talk about is Alexander Madison, who has seen an increased snap share this past three weeks. His past three weeks are 16, 21, and 21 this past week. In the blowout win versus the Eagles, he had seven red zone rushes, including one inside the five. When he sees nine plus attempts, he gets 49 or more yards. He's number two in the NFL in the breakaway run rate. He has a breakaway run, which is 15 yards or more in every 10.9% of runs. The crazier part is he faces a stacked box 36.4% of the time, which is number four in the NFL. It's like if Alexander Madison is in, then they bring their players in, which creates, it creates big run opportunity. Yeah, he could end up having a really terrible game like he did last week where he only averages 1.8 yards per attempt. But if he gets that breakaway run, he could take that to the house. I'm looking for Alexander Madison to be a play even with Dalvin Cook in the lineup. You can end up playing Dalvin Cook in your bonus and then have Alexander Madison right there behind him. Alexander Madison with this game script should see plenty of attempts. And you know that Dalvin Cook has an injury history. So they might end up, if they get up big, they might end up taking some of the workload off Dalvin Cook, but they're still going to run the ball. I expect Alexander Madison to have a very, very solid game. And with him only at 8,000 in FanDuel, I think you have to play him in a bunch of lineups. I think you have to. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for us for this DFS episode. Wahoo. That was fun. Um, I'm looking forward to doing another episode tomorrow. So if you guys have any questions, please, everybody on Fantasy Football Discussion, go ahead and ask them. I will be taking some questions to answer tomorrow on the episode. If you guys are on Facebook and you guys wanna follow us, it's facebook.com slash intervention. You can hear us at soundcloud.com slash fantasyintervention. You can also hear us on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and CastBox. If you guys have a broken phone, don't forget, if you go up to the iPhone repair store off of Birdneck Road, right next to Scotty Quick's, tell them that Fantasy Intervention sent you and you get get 10% off your repair. It doesn't matter what kind of phone it is, you can even do a laptop. Stop messing with a broken phone. Go take it up to the iPhone repair store. Tell them that Fantasy Intervention sent you. You'll get 10% off. Once again, guys, I appreciate you for listening, and thank you for letting me intervene with your fantasy football life. That's how you bang a podcast.